How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. And, of course, just a, a quick reminder, the current time is now 7.02 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, this is obviously one of my favorite days of the year because we get that extra hour of sleep. And, of course, it's nice to look outside and see the sun up. Um, <laughs> so we're off to a great, great start. And, of course, this morning is a very special day. It's not only the day that thousands of runners line up to run in the New York City Marathon, but it's also the 50th anniversary of this extraordinary competition. And I really do think it's worth taking a moment to reflect on how what started out as a, well, as a fairly modest road race has blossomed and grown into a truly national and international event. It's it's a terrific success all across the board. And in many ways, the New York City, New York City Marathon has sort of mirrored the growth and popularity of, well, of running. Look, running is one of the very best ways to keep yourself fit and healthy. And even better, it's an exercise uh, that can pretty much last you for your entire life. And even better, it's relatively inexpensive. And chances are, if you go out for a, a run or a jog or a walk on a daily or a few days a week, uh, your kids will begin to pick up on what you do. And they'll be curious and interested in doing the same kind of workout. And on that note, this is my cue to welcome back to the Sports Edge the highly respected, highly successful running coach, Joel Pasternak. Now, each year, like clockwork, Joel comes on to talk about what everybody needs to know about running. And for sports parents who have kids who run, well, this is really vital information. Joel Pasternak is now in his, I think, close to 58th year of running. He's, he's competed in numerous marathons over the years, including the New York City and the Boston Marathons. He's coached runners of all ages for years and years, and he continues to work with runners on a daily basis. You can find out more about Joel at his website, joelrun.com. Joel, good morning. How are you good this morning. morning? 
Good morning, Rick, and I'm happy to say uh, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary. I was going to say, this is 10th year, right? Terrific. This is great. Yes, it is. Yep. (laughs) Well, I, Joel, I have my, my usual list of questions for you. And, and friends, uh, we'll take your, your questions for Joel as well. Uh, number, of course, is 877-337-6666. But, Joel, I just mentioned a minute ago that this is the, the 50th anniversary of the New York City Marathon. Um, you know, let, let's talk about this for a second, a, a bit of the history of this race, because, as I mentioned, it's been a win-win-win across the board for everybody, for the city of New York, for, for competitors. People will take running seriously, and it's not so much, I think, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but, yeah, everybody would like to go out and, and sort of uh, set a very strong pace and, and win, win the competition, but this is more about a celebration of people who obviously enjoy running, enjoy exercising, and, and enjoy you know, being around other people who share the same kind of philosophy when it comes to, to going out and, and, and just basically uh, running and moving their legs. So tell us, about, tell us about the first New York City Marathon and how many runners there were and what it cost uh, to compete uh, in that well, race. It started in uh, 1970 when a group of people got together with the uh, New York Roadrunners Club. Yep. And they were going to cover four laps of Central Park, which are 5.93 miles, plus another... Uh, Two miles to make it to 26.2 miles. They had 127 starters, 55 finishers, and all they had to pay was a dollar. Did you just say there was 127 competitors? That's it? That's it. That's all that showed up that morning. <laughs> okay. Tell us and, more. And there were 55 finishers. They paid an entry fee of a dollar, which now is at the $255 an entry, and $285 for people that come uh, from other countries. Uh-huh. And there was just, uh, after the race, there was some water, some ERG that they were drinking, which is like a Gatorade, uh, bananas, and that was it. And then uh, Fred LeBeau, the director, in 1976 said, let's meet uh, with Mayor Abe Bean, and let's see if we can get this to go through all the five boroughs and the Verrazano Bridge. And uh, in 1976, there were 2,090 starters, 1,549 finishers with a $5 entry fee. <laughs> and um, you brought up uh, just before about running and the camaraderie and everybody running together. Yep. You can't go, any of us can't go on a tennis court and play with a world-class tennis player. We can't go on a basketball court and play with uh, LeBron right. James. Okay, but in this marathon... You can be running with Olympic runners. You can be running with uh, movie stars. Uh, you can be running with newscasters. So it's uh, quite exciting to be able to run and uh, rub elbows with these uh, phenomenal athletes. Yeah, you know, that, that's, a, that's a very uh, solid observation. Uh, this is the, the, the whole thing about running, and, uh, and this is one of the great attractions of uh, of of competing uh, is that it is very very meritocratous in other words that uh, if you're the fastest you'll win and as you said in this particular uh, marathon you could find yourself uh, competing against the world champion athletes or celebrities or or whoever it might be uh, but they all have the same goal and that is of course to, to finish the 26.2 miles and do so in, in a respectable time it, it, it's everybody sort of comes together I mean it, it's one of those joyous events where, where people um, there's nothing really 
uh, underhanded about this. There's no downside. It's all about let's just go out and compete with a smile on our face. It, it's a pretty, pretty amazing, pretty, pretty unique kind of, um, you know, part of human competition. And as you just said, you know, now after 50 years from its very, very uh, modest beginnings with 127 <laughs> runners running around Central Park. And now it goes to the five boroughs, and, and is you know it's it's a huge huge international event. I mean, Joel, it's um, let me ask you, how many times have you run in the marathon, the New York City Marathon? I've run the New York City Marathon twice. I was very fortunate in '76 uh, at the age of 25, and my training was going well. Yeah, uh, I finished in uh, 25th place uh, at a time of two hours 27 minutes and 37 seconds. Wow, which is a uh, 5:40 mile. <laughs> if uh, anyone wants to go to their local track and run one lap in uh, 85 seconds, that's the pace I did for 26 miles. <laughs> and, and, uh, I mean, how, did, how how long did it take you to uh, recuperate from that? Just, uh, you know, just got a nice uh, drink of water and you're ready to go again? How did how, that work out? Uh, well, afterwards, you're quite sore. You have uh, issues walking up and down stairs. But uh, being young and being in shape, uh, I was back to running within a few days. But I want to just go back to what you mentioned about uh, the start and being together and the camaraderie. Uh-huh. The, the scene, you just can't imagine the scene over at the Verrazano Bridge while the runners are preparing, walking around, sitting on things to keep themselves warm, different clothes they're in uh, before they go to the starting line. And then when they go to the start, I mean, I was overwhelmed by being there with 2,000 runners. Imagine being there with almost 30,000 runners. And then walking to the Verrazano Bridge and going either to the upper or lower level—it's just—it's mind-boggling. Yeah, well, it's—it's. It's, it, you know, we all see photos and, and and video of the start, and it does look like an entire <laughs> an entire uh, town is taking off on the Verrazano. Uh, what is that like? I mean, is—is is it is it just chaos? Is the people are? Uh, you know, is a strategy just to sprint out and get away from the, the pack as quickly as possible? Uh, what, what, what do you, what do you, what's your philosophy, and what do you tell your runners who, who go about and, and try to get away from all the others? Okay, well, just to, to update for your listeners, yeah. they have waves of runners that start the race. At 8 yeah. o'clock, we have our wheelchair athletes. Right. At 8.40, you have just the pro women will run. Mm-hmm. At 9.05, you'll have the pro men will run. These are the people that are running and hoping to place well and win uh, a prize money, okay? At 9.10, we have wave one, and then it, so forth and so on, till 12 o'clock, the last wave uh, five uh, will uh, start. So it's not super chaotic. You do have to be careful. You're probably going to be walking uh, the first quarter to half mile, and people are generally uh, very supportive. They don't want to see someone who's, and training and most of these people have been training four to six months to get ready for this race running anywhere from 20 to 100 miles a week and they don't want to see someone slip up and fall and uh you well, know they have 26 more miles to go so it's a, a pretty well-run organized uh event and uh, what's amazing is when the race has finally gotten through all these waves the amounts of clothing left on the top and the bottom of the bridge People who went to the start with gloves and jackets yep. to keep themselves warm before the start, leave them there, and it's all donated to different uh, groups to help people uh, get clothes that don't have clothing. So it's a, quite an uh, undertaking. 
we're going to talk about clothing in a few minutes, but I do want to come back. Yeah, I know, of course, that they, they, the, uh, the way it's segmented in terms of the runners and obviously, uh, you know, they, they, it, it's, it's all sort of broken down. So there isn't total just chaos. However, even in the segmentations, you still have, you know, uh, you know thousands of people in your group. Uh, it, it, it's, as you just said, Joel, the first half mile or mile, you're basically just trying to almost it's a fast walk because you're really just sort of cluttered. Is that, is that correct? Is that your sense? That's correct. That's correct. And uh, there's points in the race uh, that uh, you can get to the eight-mile mark and be surrounded by 50 people. So you still have to be careful. There's been times I've seen on videos where uh, people wanted a drink from a table or from one of the volunteers, and they got tripped up, and they went uh, somersaulting over, but they got back up and they kept going. Okay, well, let's. I, I do want to, and this is all, I find this to be just uh, fascinating. I do want to cover a lot of different points with you today. We're, we're talking with Joel Pasternak. We're talking about uh, coaching and running, especially with younger runners and what parents need to know. Uh, let's. Um, well, let's talk about clothing for a second. I mean, you know, today, this morning, it's chilly. Uh, but, you know, in general, I mean, it, it, most runners do, in fact, obviously, if the weather is cool, they will wear, uh, you know, warm-up suit, uh, some clothing that keep them on, which obviously they do take off at the starting line. But what about if, you're, if your kid wants to run, you know, cross-country or is a mile, uh, long-distance runner running miles, two miles? What about, you know, wearing... Um, what kind of undershirt or garment do you do you suggest that they wear to keep their upper body warm? Well, first I want to uh, bring up, which is very important, uh, besides the clothing, is getting the proper sneakers. You've got well, to get to... Let's hold off on that until the next segment, because I have some other questions about that. But let's talk okay. about clothing first, okay? Okay, well, uh, depending on the weather, yeah. uh, being our body is 98.6 degrees, pretty warm, so you don't want to overdress. If you overdress, you're going to get uh, dehydrated. Uh, I've always uh, told my runners, uh, your head gives off 85% of your body, your hands 15%. So uh, those are the two most important uh, parts of your body to cover. Right. Generally, like today's weather, you're going to see many people running in shorts or uh, three-quarter uh, length tights because your legs stay pretty warm when you're running mm -hmm. and, you're, and you're moving at different speeds. So the legs aren't as important as your I feel your shoulders are very important because you don't want to tighten the muscles in your shoulders from getting too cold. So you would suggest that the uh, – well, let's just back up or recap. First of all, um, uh, yeah, I agree with you, of course, that the legs – since the legs are moving, you probably don't want to encumber them too much with wearing tights. Tights may feel you know warm and snug at the start of the race, but after a while they begin almost to get in your way. Um, in terms of losing heat from your head, do you recommend that, that uh, the runners wear uh, caps? Uh, to start off with, just, uh, you know, it's chilly right now over there, uh, 41 degrees, and uh, the sun isn't bright. I mean, if I was running it today, yeah. I would be because I just um, am not the warmest of runners uh, when I'm out there in terms of keeping uh, my body heat in. Mm -hmm. so I, I would be running in full-length tights. A long sleeve shirt with my number on a singlet, and I'd be in a in a in a, a beanie hat to cover my ears, and I'd be with gloves. And uh, once the race started, and I warmed up, warmed up and felt comfortable, I'd probably start throwing off uh, the hat and the gloves. Whereas no other people yeah. will be out there, and they'll have hardly anything on. So I mean, it only comes from obviously learning from experience what what you are comfortable. Exactly, you'll, you'll practice that in training. You'll go out in training. 
on different degree days, and uh, you will wear uh, different clothing. Uh, if we happen to have a very warm day for a marathon or for the kids' close country meets, uh, I uh, tell people not to wear dark colors. Dark colors uh, attract the sun and will raise your heart rate somewhere from between five and eight uh, beats, which will make you work a lot harder uh-huh. and will cause you to uh, fatigue a lot sooner. So you want to wear white-colored clothing when you run. Interesting. I mean, the point is that uh, if you are a serious runner, uh, particularly if you're a teenage kid and you obviously have aspirations uh, in high school or beyond, uh, you this is what you wear. And uh, you have to know the obviously the, the the situation with that day and the and the, and the weather and obviously what you've trust what you've done in the past and how whether you're wearing the um, uh, the tights or what you wear to keep on your upper body warm not to be too snug because it might encum- it might uh, encumber your your arms and your shoulders uh, knowing that you might have to take a cap off take the gloves off I mean this is important stuff uh, because after all when you're in the middle of a race. You don't want to be bothered by uh, you know unexpected concerns about what you're wearing. As simple as that. Joe, let me. I, I do want to talk about uh, obviously uh, stretching as well because a lot of kids in particular don't really stretch that much. They don't. They don't think it's that important. I want to talk about how how essential that is, and obviously talk about uh, shoes, uh, running shoes, and so on and so forth. Nutrition, a lot of other questions. But I I got to take a time out. Um, we're talking this morning with Joel Pasternak here on New York City Marathon Day. We're talking about the the art and science of running, and particularly if you have a youngster who uh, wants to be a runner, a serious runner, these are the questions that hopefully you can help uh, you can help uh, clear up for them as well. We're taking your calls at 877-337-6666. When I return after this commercial block, we'll continue our conversation with Joel Pasternak. Stay with me. This is, of course, our annual running show on the Sports Edge. We're taking calls at 877-337-6666. My guest, as always, is Joel Pasternak from joelrun.com. Now, before the break, we were talking with Joel about clothing, I do want to talk obviously about stretching. And I mentioned to Joel that you know, especially with with uh, kids in their teen in their teens, you know, they they're pretty flexible. They're ready to rock and roll right from the get go. But stretching is important for a variety of reasons. And I want you to spend a little time talking about the importance of stretching and and what stretches you want you think kids should should really focus on. Well, ever since I started in the fall of 1965, running for my high school cross country team. My coach taught us to stretch first, then we would go out and run, and then we would start our workout. Uh-huh. Stretches uh, that I uh, took on from that time on and uh, taught my youth groups, my uh, high school, middle school groups, even my adult runners are uh, generally stretches that take about five to seven minutes. Each stretch should be hold for about 20 seconds. Uh, for instance, uh, standing and stretching down towards your shins stretching if you can to your ankles. One thing they should all uh, remember is not to stretch and bend your knees when you do the stretch. Because bending your knees and, say, trying to touch the ground is going to put undue stress on your back. Mm-hmm. Stretching, standing, like you're at attention, stretching down to your shins. If you can't go to your shins, just start with your knees. And if you do this constantly... Uh, every time you exercise, you'll see yourself get more flexible. The more flexible you'll get, you'll get faster, and you'll stay away from getting injured. Other stretches that I suggest is one leg over the other, 
other. So you're standing in a tension position, yeah. one leg over the other. You do both sides, again, keeping the knees locked. Uh, you hold again for 20 seconds each. Another stretch is where your legs are apart, uh, more than shoulder length. Again, knees are locked. You go to your ankle. You go to the middle. You go to the other ankle. You come back to the middle, and you go through your legs. Uh, I might want to point out, uh, like you said, I've seen many young kids, uh, especially boys in uh, elementary, middle school, high school, they can't touch their shins. They are so inflexible, it drives me crazy. And I just try to keep on top of them, saying you're, you're going to get hurt, uh, you're going to prove you're running and get more flexible. So there's a lot of stretches. Uh, there's the hurdler stretch where you sit on the ground, mm-hmm. and you go in a hurdler position. And uh, I have numerous stretches that I put all my runner, runners through. Um, it's most important also to stretch afterwards because you now <clears throat> have uh, pounded your body. Um, for the information for everybody, our body weight, let's take a, a youth in 100 pounds. Well, that 100-pound youth, the weight that he's pounding when he's walking is 200 pounds. Your weight doubles. When he runs, it's double plus half of the 100 pounds. So that's 250 pounds every time he takes one stride. If he happens to have a three-feet stride length, that's 1,760 times his legs are hitting ground and the pounding is going up into his legs. So that's why it's very important also to stretch afterwards. Yeah, I mean, the point I'm trying to make, and obviously uh, you've obviously made this into a real science uh, after all years of, of running and, ex- and experience, is this is important. And, and kids in particular have to pay attention to this, Not as you said, Joel, not just at the beginning of the start of a workout, but also at the very end as well. Uh, because stretching, getting the hamstrings, getting the various leg muscles ready to, to, to run and, and exert, as you said, they're basically pounding a lot of weight onto their feet, and so you've got to be prepared. Let, let, me, let me shift quickly over to nutrition, because, you know, people, people always look forward to the night before the marathon because there's a belief that eating a lot of carbohydrates, such as in pasta, is a real good way to prepare for a long race. Is that really true? I mean, what did you do when you ran marathons? When I ran marathons the night before, it was either uh, pizza and pasta, salads, bread. I wanted carbohydrates, something yeah. that was going to turn into energy within the next 12 hours when I was going to be running the marathon. Okay, so that is that is good advice in terms of nutrition. Yes. Now, what about the day of the marathon? Do you have a breakfast or anything, to energy drink, or what did you do before the actual race itself? Uh, usually a few hours before getting my system uh, going, so in case I had to go to the bathroom. Yep. And uh, I would usually have toast uh, with jam and butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite um, was a uh, package of chocolate chip cookies I'd like to run <laughs> okay. to have before the marathon. Yeah. Uh, energy drink with some water in it to just uh, get uh, so it's not so heavily sugared. Uh, there's been a misconception over the years of when we sweat, we lose a lot of salt. Our body and the food we eat has plenty of salt. Mm-hmm. So I've learned over the years that potassium is the number one mineral that we lose when we're running, and that can be found in raisins, orange juice, and bananas. So that's very important to have during the marathon. And also these days, it wasn't back uh, when we ran in the 70s, but now they have all kinds of gels, shot blocks, things runners carry 
Yeah. They take four every four to five miles. They take these energy boosts to help them while they're running. Let me ask you about hydration, because that's become a very popular topic as well. And we'll get to the callers in just a minute. Uh, what do you tell your runners about drinking water or energy drink you know, during the course of a race? I feel that's very important. Even if they have to stop, um, they should, even if they're not thirsty, they should uh, stop and get water because uh, as your body starts heating up and it's going to probably get, from what I'm hearing, it's going to get into the 60s. Uh, you're going to be sweating uh, profusely, yeah. and you're going to be losing a lot of uh, fluids. So you've got to drink, constantly drink every time, but don't over-drink. You don't want to over-hydrate, uh, but yeah. very important. I tell people to throw water on their head, put water on their uh, wrists, because those are areas that need to be cooled off uh, very quickly. Okay, let's uh, this is, let me take a, a stop here and take some callers. 877-337-6666. We're talking with Joel Pasternak. Uh, let's start our conversation this morning with Ralph from Manhattan. Good morning, Ralph. You're on the fan. Well, that Chariots of Fire theme was certainly appropriate. That, <laughs> that, that really brought me back. <laughs> if, not, if, nothing else, if nothing else, the freedom of running is so different from any other type of exercise. And the simplicity of the whole thing. You put on those pair of shoes and you take off. That's all you need. And, all, you know, and the only sports show, uh, Rick and Joel, that you <clears throat> you get into the minutia of what's going on in within the sport. And I really appreciate that. You know, no X's and O's and no uh, talking about athletes. We're talking about the pure innocence of running. It's a beautiful thing. Um, well, the one thing I – yep. Go ahead, Joel. Oh, I'm – Go ahead, okay. I'm listening. Go ahead, Ralph. What do you What do you want to ask? No, I'm gonna. The one thing that I that I don't do on um, mar- you know, I've I run the marathon a couple of times. It's a sea of people out there. It's a beautiful situation. But I hearken back to 1970 when this whole thing started, and you know the fact that it came from a little club and it evolved into something so enormous is is fantastic. And the night before, Joe, I want to ask you a question, if I may. You know, I'm not a pasta. I'm not a pasta eater because the, the wheat doesn't really do it for me. So I carb up in a different way. But I found that you can over overdo it with the carbs, and it can kind of make you. It can go the other direction. Your blood sugar goes up, and then it drops, and you and you lose your energy a bit. Do you have any alternatives? Uh, the alternatives I've uh, been uh, tried <clears throat> out over the years is uh, just have some French toast. Uh, you know, not too heavy on the syrup, um, you know, something uh, light, uh, you know, that uh, you don't want to, you want to stay away from cheeses, okay, because cheeses will curdle in your stomach, especially as the temperatures go up. But there are people, I mean, I, I know some people, I mean, I've been to a marathon in Montreal and sitting next to Japanese and they were having steak before their marathon. Hmm. So they're, you know, all different cultures have all different ideas, a lot of rice and Chinese food before the event. So uh, I, f- I found I found the pro I found the protein to be really beneficial. You know, if you really concentrate on the carbs, you're missing out on that good protein. Because if you do that combination, I found that to be to be uh, most beneficial. But you know, you mentioned about uh, clothing. I w- I wear the least amount of clothing as possible. I don't want to freeze my my buns off out there, but I wear the least amount of clothes as possible. That freedom that I feel, you know, if it's I'm inhibited by a lot of outerwear it kind of loses the feel so i go really light on the clothing how do you feel about that uh, each to their own like i, I said earlier 
Uh, I've run marathons in my tights, a long sleeve shirt, hat, and gloves, and I did very well. Uh, but then I see uh, there'll be runners out there with a singlet, you know, uh, a shirt with uh, their shoulders showing and shorts. And, uh, you know, everybody has a different uh, height of uh, their resistance to the uh, the weather. And with, uh, whatever uh, makes you feel good, you, you do, and you go and do it. There's no right or wrong. And it's true. As far as the race goes, how do you feel exactly about how it's evolved? When you go out there, there's a sea of people. Hey, Ralph, not, let me, it's like, let me, it's like let me, nothing. It's let like me chime in here because I got to get some more calls. And Ralph, just as an, on a totally uh, personal aside, did you speak to Jr. yesterday about wearing uh, about athletes wearing their name on the back of, of uh, wearing jerseys? Yeah, yeah, because you know, you yeah, know, I, Rick, you know, and I appreciate <laughs> that. You know, to me, how ridiculous is it? A fifty-year-old man. Uh, wearing somebody else's name on a jersey. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I, I was listening to the show and I was thinking, well, Ralph's made a very solid point. And I thought about myself, I would never buy a jersey with somebody else's name on the back. The only, I'm proud to say, the only jerseys I ever worn had my name on the back from playing, uh, pro, playing pro you, you baseball. Know, you so. know, Rick, you know, if you played ball at a high level, yeah. the last thing you want to do is put some other cat's name I'm on your back. You, you just, I, you just <laughs> want to, you just want to go about your business, you know, with your own personality. You know? I, I hear you. Ralph, thank you for the, the call this morning. Appreciate it, and, and thanks for the good thanks, thoughts. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the Joanne over in West Orange. Uh, good morning, Joanne. You're next up on the fan. Good morning, Rick and Joel. Uh, Hi, Joanne. Good morning. Um, I was a volunteer official for two marathons in 76 and 77. I got involved because my father was a, a, a longtime New York City official, and he asked me to volunteer because, if you can believe it, they were having trouble getting volunteers. Uh, sure. This was back in the day before the marathon was a thing. And I was at the finish line, and I was pulling numbers off runners. And the impression, particularly in 76, um, that was the first year, I think, that um, Bill Rogers won. And he won four years in a row. But Correct. it was a beautiful day, much like today. It was sunny. Um, it, it ended at Tavern on the Green. Um, and the energy among the officials and among the runners as they came across the line, it was so motivating. It made you want to you know, go out, strap on your shoes, and start training for the next year's marathon. Mm -hmm. They had helicopters overhead. Um, honestly, it gave you chills. It was just a wonderful experience, and I'm hoping that people who are officiating now can get that same sense of wonder and it's not just okay this is another year i'm doing it another time but it is it is as meaningful for them as it was for me the two years that i, I did it i absolutely loved it well joanne uh, yeah i i think that's as i said it, it's a win-win-win across the board and obviously uh, it certainly was apparently for you joel obviously feels the same way joanne th thank you for your, your call this morning because yeah this is a one of those wonderful days during the course of the year where everybody is all excited about the marathon regardless of whether you're competing in the race itself but it, as, as joanne said joel you know when people come across the finish line they're just the, the sheer joy uh of exultation uh, uh on their faces that they they've they've actually accomplished they've, they've run 26.2 miles uh it, it's just a wonderful feeling yeah it's quite a runner's high to um, accomplish it after all those months of uh practicing, putting the miles in, and uh, dedicating yourself, and uh, sacrificing things, and uh, it's the runner's side. But <clears throat> one thing I want to say quickly is, I tell my runners, don't put so much pressure 
on yourself to get and worry about your time. It's the six months of the camaraderie of the people you've worked with and trained with that have yeah. gotten you to this finish and not just the, that one day of the time. I, I hear you a lot and clear. Uh, you know, there is a certain esprit de corps, camaraderie, whatever you want to call it, that runners have an affinity for each other. There's tremendous respect. Uh, yes, we all want to run our race and we all want to win, but, but the runners, there's a different kind of mentality, a spirituality that they all have uh, amongst uh, their tribe. And it's a wonderful, wonderful kind of, as I said, camaraderie. All right, we're, we're talking with Joel Pasternak. We've got to take a break. When we return with Joel, we'll take more of your calls. We'll talk about shoes uh, and the proper fit and the brands and so on and so forth. 877-337-6666. Stay with me. Back with your calls right after this. And friends, just a quick reminder, the correct time is uh, 7.46 Eastern Standard Time. And uh, before we get back to our conversation uh, with, uh, with Joel Pasternak, I do want to remind you, of course, about the new and improved website at AskCoachWolf.com, uh, where you can find all sorts of resources. And uh, obviously, you can also listen to the podcast of this show. Uh, you can also uh, follow me uh, on Twitter at, ask, at hashtag AskCoachWolf. And just a quick bit of other good news. Do you remember a few months ago we talked on the show about all the nonsense that was transpiring this past summer at Southside High School? That's where the school board wouldn't approve the rehiring of the girls' soccer coaches, uh, even though they just had touted the girls' soccer coaches in the spring for winning the, uh, the Class A championship. But uh, whether it was just a matter of pettiness or who knows what local politics, uh, the, the coaches were not rehired there. So the girls themselves, they were the victims. They had to go through all sorts of hoops and hurdles and other coaches to finally get their season off the ground this past fall. It was just an absolute mess. Well, I'm happy to report that the Southside Cyclones never lost faith in themselves as a team. And yesterday, the girls captured the Long Island Soccer Championship in Class A Division again. This time they defeated East Islip High School 2-1 to in a most exciting comeback game. And so I'm just thrilled. That's great news for the Cyclones. A very well-deserved victory. Okay, let's, uh, we're taking your calls at 877-337-6666. Joel, uh, before we run out of time this morning, I know we want to talk about shoes, running shoes, because uh, obviously <laughs> that's critically important. Um, I know some of the more popular brands are Brooks and Asics and Nike. Um, what are your thoughts about shoes, and, and what should parents, who obviously are the ones who buy the shoes for the kids, what should they be looking for in terms of making sure it's a good fit, and, and especially with kids whose feet continue to continue to grow during their teenage years? Well, number one, uh, they should go to a reputable sneaker store that has employees or it's owned by a runner, and uh, there's Fleet Feet. There is a Jackrabbit, Roadrunner, Super Shoe, a runner's Shop, which was owned mm -hmm. uh, by the uh, first winner, Gary Murka, of the New York Marathon. His daughter now owns them. So you want first a store that has someone that uh, knows what they're talking about. Next thing you want to do is when you go to the store, it should be later in the day where your foot is more swollen from walking around or just has expanded. You don't want to go first thing in the morning because if you're an afternoon runner, your foot 
won't be the same as if you went in the morning. Got it. You want to wear the socks you're going to wear when you go. Very important. Okay. So you're now prepared. You're in the store. You want to try on three different brands minimum. Your uh, employee that's watching you wants to see if you pronate, which is rolling it outwards, and you supinate rolling inwards. Okay, very important because the way you run is the type of proper sneakers you want to get. They should allow you to jog in the store, walk in the stores. Some stores I've been into have a, a circular track inside of them. Very, <clears throat> very small, but you get an idea of the feel for it. And a yeah. lot of these uh, stores um, allow you to try running in them at home. If they're not right, bring them back. Huh. Okay. The next thing, which many people don't know, and I've learned this uh, over the uh, 50-some years of running and working and owning my own stores, is the proper way to tie your sneakers. Yes. If there's one pet peeve I have over everything in running, and there's, there's a lot of them that I see out there, is the way I see kids, uh, high school kids, college kids, and adults, the way they tie their sneakers. The proper way to tie your sneakers is first, the laces should be nice and flat and even. You don't want them twisted when you bring them up the shoe because when you pull them tight, it's going to irritate your instep and put marks on your foot and cause blisters. Right. The next thing you want to do is when you lace the shoe up, you want to skip the next to last hole and put it in the last hole because when you pull it tight, you want to get that heel counter that's in the heel of the shoe, which is a piece of cardboard, which is laminated with a strong glue substance to absorb the shock when you hit the ground because your foot's taking all the shock that's going to go to your shins, your knees, your hips, and your back. So very important that you tie the last pole of the sneaker. Yeah, in okay. other words, uh, I mean, the point is, there's a, what you're saying, in effect, there's a reason why that last hole is there. And a lot of people, either because they're lazy, they think it's fashionable, they just bypass it. Yeah, but, they say, oh, I'll go up to the next to last one. I don't need the last one. So the last one <laughs> is what important. helps pull, pull the heel. It's sort of, yes, correct. And it pulls your heel counter in. Yeah. So, so what, I, what I do with a lot of runners, and I first say, you know, I don't want them to think I'm you know, touching them or inappropriate weapon. I said, can I pull on your laces? And I go with my finger to the first lace at the beginning of the shoe by the toe area. Yep. And if I can put my finger underneath that lace and pull up the laces, their shoe is too loose on them. Okay? They haven't made it tight enough. Also, when they're in the store, you don't want to buy a sneaker that when you lace it up, if your laces are close together and the sneaker is like touching each side, that means the sneaker is too wide for you. Or you don't want a shoe where the sneaker is so far apart on you and you can't get support that it's too narrow for you. Huh. So those are a couple of the important tips of uh, purchasing your sneakers. Uh, it's absolutely vital stuff, which is rarely talked about, uh, you know, and I'm glad you had a chance to go into some detail about this this morning. Uh, rub against the clock. Let's get some more calls for you, Joel. Let's go to our friend Jack Smithlin over in uh, New Jersey. Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, Jack. How are uh, you? How are you? Hi, good Joel. How are you? Hi, Rick. Good, good. Good you? to hear from you. Same, same here. First of all, I just wanted to 
you know, wish Dr. Rob Freed all the best. I know he's under the weather. He had already signed up. He had a low number. He was one of those front runners. And he's, you know, he's one of your loyal listeners. Um, Absolutely. And I just wanted I just wanted to wish him the best. He's a little bit under the weather, very upset that he can't run today. So, um, Dr. Rob, my uh, my wishes and my heart go out to you. Absolutely. Rob is Thank you so much. We all, we all when, die, when Rob a runner is, can't run, yeah. you know, when a runner can't run, that's devastating. And, uh, you know, he's, addi- he's addicted to it. So, yep. um, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to get into is that, you know, we've talked about it. I've had injuries over my life. I, I use an elliptical machine to do my running now. Because of my metal knees, I'm, I'm not supposed to be running and pounding. You know, like you just discussed sneakers, very important getting that uh, absorption, that shock absorption when you, when you hit the ground. But, you know, elliptical is, a, is actually running on a bike almost. It's a, it's a step thing. But one of the things I wanted to do, I, I coached for many years. Everybody knows that. And in my beginning of my coaching years, I was a psychopath like every other coach. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I wanted to be the best thing since sliced bread, wanted to conquer the world. And I used to punish my kids with running. Well, I learned the hard way. Don't ever coaches. Don't ever punish your kids with running. Don't say because you're not doing something well to go out and run. Because when you punish a kid, especially a young kid, they understand it as a punishment. So they'll never go out and run on their own. You know, they don't want to punish themselves. So don't ever make it a punishment. You know, if, if somebody's not fielding ground balls correctly or shooting the basket, b- basketball the correct way, make them field more ground balls correctly. Make them shoot more basket, ba- baskets correctly, you know. I mean – don't ever punish your kids with running because running is such a great activity. You know, other than swimming, it's probably the best activity you could possibly do for your cardiovascular. Yeah, there's, there's no question. Correct. And, yeah. It's go. a good you know, point, so, too, Jack, you know, because... I, I know you're short on time. Yeah. Go ahead, Rick. I say, it's a good point, too, because if people begin to equate uh, running as a kind of punishment... Uh, no, no, no. Running is it should be you know fun and look forward to. And your point is well taken that too many coaches traditionally uh, have used running as as you say kind of a uh, to you know to basically be punished for not doing something well in the practice session. So no, that that's a good point. You know, with with coaching, you know, I coached soccer for many years, over thirty years. I've coached softball now, you know, in my forty eighth year, I think. Um, but with my soccer program, I implemented running as part of my, my training, part of my circuit yeah. training. You know, they'd move from station to station, and every, every 18 to 20 minutes, I'd blow the whistle. Everybody do a run, come back, get back, but never as a punishment. In softball, my running was a little bit different implemented into my practice sessions because, you know, running is important, but, you know, you, you run short spurts in baseball and softball. So the point is, is that don't ever coaches – at the young levels, especially, don't ever use running as a punishment. And, excellent, excellent. You know, Joel, always great, always great hearing from you, Joel. <laughs> Jack, Same thank here, you. Jack, thanks. Excellent observation. And Joel, as we wrap up this uh, this session of the Sports Edge, I do want to remind listeners, uh, because obviously you have a lifetime of insight and experience, uh, great information. If, if people do want to contact you uh, regarding questions, they can go to your website at joelrun.com. You obviously still coach, coach kids uh, of all different ages. Uh, certainly, it's it's a great, great resource if people have questions. And I wish you had more time to get to, to more of 
the callers this morning. But, but Joel, this is this is always such a, a joy to talk to you about about running and the art and and the fun of running and how, as Jack just pointed out, and you of course have lived this. It's it's a great great physical exercise that only uh, does wonderful things for one's body. Yeah, I can't impress upon uh, all your listeners how important for whatever sport uh, your child's playing, that the conditioning, uh, I have kids on my course country team where I'm at the Paul Catholic and Wayne, mm-hmm. I'm the head course country coach, and uh, I've got wrestlers out, basketball players out, because they want to improve their conditioning and they want to be in good shape to uh, start their season, which is coming up in a few weeks, and it's very helpful. And also, like what Jack said, is you've got to make uh, running fun. And I come up with all kinds of games so kids don't realize that they're really running, but they're getting in good condition and they're improving their uh, endurance. Like we do drills, we do relays, uh, we do the wh- I do the whistle workout. The kids love the whistle workout where they run for a minute and they get a minute break of walking and jogging. And before they know it, they're out there 25, 30 minutes, but all they've been running is a minute on and off and they're having a great time or doing relays with batons. Uh, you skip to Tommy and Tommy's going to do high knees back. And he's going to do butt kicks, and he's going to do fast feet. And, and they don't realize they're running, but they're building up their endurance. And it's something uh, hopefully parents will do with their kids three, four times a week. And they shouldn't go out to a track, which I see a lot. They take their kids out to the track. They say, I want to see Tom. I want to see what you can run for 100 yards. He comes out. He takes his sweats off. He has Converse sneakers on. And he sprints. Next thing he knows, he's holding his hamstring. Yeah. So please warm your kids up. Have them jog and stretch before you do anything like that. Could agree with you more, Joel. It's always a joy to talk to you. Uh, stay Thanks, well, Rick. my Thanks friend. Thanks for your time. And we'll talk to you again next year. Uh, that's Joel Pasternak at joelrun.com, talking, of course, about uh, about Marathon Sunday and, and his great, great experience as a runner. That's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks, as always, to Ed Arzuman. I see you all next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.